Uh, I'm going to be completely honest. I have only seen the original trilogy and then uh, episode one. You are listening to the Story Geeks Podcast, produced by the Reclamation Society. Welcome to the Story Geeks Podcast. I'm Daryl. I'm Garrett. I'm Jay. And today, the Story Geeks are going to dig deeper into Return of the Jedi, which is, of course, I'm excited about it because I'm a huge Star Wars fan. Yes, you are. Yeah. All the time. And we have a special guest. So you don't normally hear Garrett say that he's Garrett. Unless you're listening to the Story Cauldron podcast. Well, but even then you hear Garrett say, I'm here. And he does uh, say, I'm here. Yeah. True. He, True. He says, Garrett, I, hi, I'm Garrett, and I'm here. What's the, what's the backstory behind that intro? Um, it all started because Bobby was our sound guy, or like our the guy that knew all about that in movie, dude. He studied film for a while. And then Anthony is our philosophy guy. And I guess I'm just here for the personality? <laughs> Question mark? I really, I felt like I didn't have too much to contribute, uh, except for maybe some Disney trivia. So that's how it all started with me just saying I'm here. I like the contribution of Disney trivia, though. That's yeah. awesome. That's uh, that's one of my that. comfort zones. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Well, Garrett is a part of the Story Cauldron podcast. The Story Cauldron podcast is uh, sort of like... This is the totally wrong term, but it's sort of like a sister podcast to the Story Geeks podcast in some <laughs> ways because the Story Cauldron podcast kind of takes mythology um, into consideration as it looks at what stories came before the story that they're looking at. So, for example, what you might want to do is if you listen to our Moana podcast, which we had Cisa Gray, um, one of the voice performers on Moana. And it was excellent, by the way. Thank you so much. <laughs> we had a really, really good time and Daryl had fantastic questions, so it was super fun. But, of course, we're diving into what the story is telling us is true about spirituality, about culture, about whatever. Well, if you listen to the Story Cauldron podcast, it's almost a good precursor to listening to ours, I think, in a lot of ways. Because what they're talking about is where did these cultures come from? Where did the mythologies in these cultures come from? Where did, for example, uh, questions about Maui come from? Things like that. So mm-hmm. you can tell I'm an avid listener because I'm not even letting Garrett talk, and I'm just <laughs> saying what this show is. I know you're saying it better than I probably did. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about the show and how it came about, Garrett. Uh, well, uh, we, Anthony, Bobby, and I were the three guys that uh, do the Story Cauldron podcast. We noticed how often we just kind of sit around and have really deep discussions about films and the stories behind them, especially I, the one that really spurred our idea to start a podcast was Beauty and the Beast, the new live-action film that came out. And we were just talking about it, and we said, you know, we should record ourselves. Like, people might think we're smart if we do that. Um, And so then we came up with the tagline and figured it out and decided what movies we thought would be a lot of fun to talk about. And uh, I think it was Anthony who brought in Folk tales and philosophies, and then Bobby, with his infinite wisdom, added fables. So we say that the Story Cauldron podcast discusses the fables, folk tales, and philosophies of your favorite films. Whoa. Because we yeah, love alliteration. Pretty, yeah, pretty professional right there. Um, now <laughs> and you, we sort of back ourselves into a corner that they don't. Like, we, we back ourselves into geek culture, but you guys, you, you'll tackle anything. Oh, uh, we, we're working on it. We're still relatively <laughs> new, so we're trying to cover as much ground as we can 
Uh, yeah, we're like a little more targeted, but yeah. So you'll see you'll see some crossover from us, and then you'll see some, them do some movies that we'll probably never do, just because they're not geek films, right? Yep. So, um, cool. Well, thanks for joining us, Garrett. This you are subjecting yourself to the Dig Deeper podcast, which is where we're always going into the deeper themes in things. Um, I do want to mention a couple things before we jump into the questions. Um, the first thing is that we actually have uh, our videographer. Um, Jason, who has a microphone too, so we may call on him at some point in time. Um, he's been fantastic for us. He is moving on to other things about in about a month from now or about several weeks from now, but he's been an amazing videographer. If you're watching this online, um, if you're watching this on YouTube or on our website, yeah, you can thank Jason for all of the quality that goes into that. Um, the other thing I want to mention is that we are doing a giveaway at the end of this podcast. So we always said we we're going to do this giveaway at the <laughs> during this podcast at some point in time, and it's just taken us so long to get here. We are going to do the giveaway at the end of this podcast. We're giving away something on this podcast and the next Star Wars podcast we do, which will be The Force, Force Awakens. Awakens. And this t- today's giveaway will be a VHS copy. It's like a super special edition VHS copy of The Phantom Menace that actually has, uh, what would you call that? Like the film strip it has a film yeah strip. it's a collector's edition so it has a, f- a piece of film from the movie it's never been watched never been opened yeah so yeah daryl donated that one and that's pretty awesome for a collectible like that's not not a lot of people have that so i didn't even have it someone else gave it to me so. <laughs> <laughs> it's been passed around yeah. a little bit so we will do that giveaway but we'll do that at the end of the podcast in the meantime, um, we are going to jump into Return of the Jedi, which we've been going on this path. We only have actually two more films until Disney can actually start releasing more. Um, and I'm excited about it. This is your favorite movie, Daryl. What? Is it? <laughs> <laughs> is, what? Let me ask the question. Not your favorite movie. Your favorite <laughs> Star like Wars film. As much time as we've spent together doing this stuff, there's no way you should have just said that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. This is your favorite Star Wars film. No, it's not. Oh, really? It's it's my most nostalgic Star Wars oh, film. Oh, I see, I see, I see. But so, I don't think it's my Because favorite. that's the first question we have on here. Where do you rank order this film in the Star Wars films? For me? Yeah. So, I mean, maybe until... This probably was my favorite Star Wars film okay. before J.J. Abrams came into the picture. So, The Force Awakens is now my favorite Star Wars film. Really? Yes. Oh. Yeah, don't hit me. Controversy. <laughs> I won't hit you. There might be someone online who's nah, getting care. ready. That's fine. <laughs> um, and then, so this one was probably behind that, but when we went, when we did the Empire Strikes Back podcast, going back and watching that again, yeah. I was like, oh, man, that's great. Yeah. Like, I, I have to put that up there, too. So mm. that's probably number two, okay. which puts Jedi at three. Um, there's some... There's some stuff in this I really love, and watching it again, I realized how much I love it. Like the, like Yoda's death scene, and the final uh-huh. confrontation uh-huh. between Vader and Luke, um, the scene in Jabba's palace and stuff like that. Mm. But the big glaring black mark against it is Endor. Like I loved it as a kid. <laughs> I loved the Ewoks as a kid. They have a special place in my heart. Those speeders. Yeah. I wanted to ride on one of those things so bad. I used to pretend that I was Luke on a speeder. Yeah. Um, but going back and watching it again, like some of the acting in that scene yeah. and just the lightheartedness of it, yeah, it just doesn't hold up I see. to the gravity of Jedi or I mean to of 
Empire Strikes Back, or even to the gravity of the rest of this movie. It's true. That's very, very true. So I'd you, put it at number three. What about you, Garrett? Where does this film rank in your Star Wars films? Uh, I'm going to be completely honest. I have only seen the original trilogy and then uh, episode one. Oh, so you, so episode one, did episode one bother you so much that you just stopped watching? <laughs> well, I really wanted to start with episode four, and my friend that loves Star Wars was like, no, we have to start with episode one. And I was thinking, you're doing it wrong, but you seem to know more about this than I do. And then <laughs> she was making fun of me because I didn't know who Anakin was, and I was like, I don't know what's happening. I don't... Mm. <laughs> so um, where it ranks, uh, it ranks definitely in the top three. Um, Out of four. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I kind of don't want to uh, count the episode one just because... None of us do. Yeah, maybe, it's, yeah, it's, yeah it's not really fair to count it almost. So I don't know. I think that I would put this one at number two. So which one would you say? Which one would you put at number one? I really liked uh, A New Hope. Oh, uh, okay. I don't know why. I think it's just because that was... I had seen clips of that one before, and it just that's one that really made me like, aw, this is Star Wars. This is what I signed up for. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. The first the trilogy, they're all really good, and I'm kind of sad that I waited so long to watch them. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you still have more you can experience. It's true. It's true. I think I might take a little bit of a break because I kind of crammed all three into the weekend before recording this the week before recording this and so um, <laughs> so had you not seen any before uh, this? besides episode one no you had only seen episode one before this yeah that's one of the reasons that bobby and anthony don't claim me very much <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome now jason the one bummer about having jason with a microphone is that he actually cannot hear what we're talking about sounds <laughs> <laughs> good but Jason, if you if you lean into the mic, yeah. where would where would Return of the Jedi rank for you in the list in the, all the Star Wars films? Well, I think for me the first one is always the best one for me. Mm. Um, when I'm you not, say the first one, you mean Episode Four, or do I you mean hope. the Phantom Menace? Episode Four. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, you can stay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not the the biggest diehard Star Wars fan, but I have seen them all, and I like. There's not one that like sticks out to me that I feel. Oh, that was terrible, or that was bad. I kind of like them all. Yeah, I'm just like always been a fan of Star Wars. There's really no hate, and I'm not. Yeah, I'm not too diehard to the point where it's like I'm nitpicky with like different uh, ones that come out. So yeah, yeah, I'm just like a fan overall. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So you guys ready to dig deeper into this film? Well, where does it rank for you? Ah, good question. Um, it ranks at number four. So, okay, I want to guess this. Yeah, guess it. Go for it. So one is Empire. <laughs> one is Empire for sure, yes. Two is Rogue One. Absolutely. Three is The New Hope. Yep. I got it. Yep, you got it. You got it. You nailed it right on top, right on top of it, man. Um, so obviously, like for me, uh, this film just has, even watching it again, like you mentioned it, like there's just some parts of it that just seem out of place. It, yeah, it, it feels inconsistent. Yes, yeah, the most it's the most prequely of the original trilogy. <laughs> the most prequel. Yeah. It's almost like you just give you give George Lucas more budget to do whatever he wants and he does worse things <laughs> in some ways. Uh so it's kind of weird. But yeah, so it's it's my, it's, it's number 4. Did he direct this one? Did Lucas direct Jedi? I don't think so. I want to say Marquand. Marquand? I'm going to look it up. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. It's Marquand. Um 
Yeah, so so it's number four. I think that they. It's funny because I didn't have any. I don't have any problem with the Ewoks either. I think they actually add some, but they spend a lot of time on them. That is one. That is one thing. In, yeah, in this movie and it's that not. E- it's not so much the Ewoks that bug me because yeah. like I had a special place for the Ewoks. I I had a Wicket stuffed animal. Dude, I did. Like too. I loved Wicket. <laughs> yeah. I and would... honestly, when we go to Disneyland, yeah, like we went to Disneyland recently, and I bought my kid a Porg. Yeah. Which he loves. I mean, he sleeps with it. It's yep. his baby, yep. and I. I almost bought myself a wicket. I'm like, I had one when I was a kid. Why can't I have one now? I had but, that too, actually. But I think it's more... It's the core characters. It's Han and Leia and Luke. And the performances from those three actors just don't line up with the rest of the film. It's so much more lighthearted. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and the scene where um, Luke is telling Leia that she's his sister. Yeah. And then Han comes out afterwards, and yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, she's like, "I can't tell you." And he's like, "Oh, you could tell Luke. Is that who you could tell?" Which is so ah. funny. And, you it know, seems it's so just, very high school. It's just really <laughs> poorly acted. <laughs> and the rest of the movie's not. So, yeah, yeah, it's true. I see it. Did you? Could you? Did you confirm who is the, who directed this one? I will in just a second here. That's a video game. Well, as you do as you do that, I will jump into the first question. How about okay. that? And when you come up with it, we'll. we'll I got it jump right back. now. Okay, you got it. Wow. I got it right Good now. Timing. Richard Marquand. Yeah. Okay. So, question number one, that we're going to jump right into Garrett. I'm going to ask this question to you first, and we'll all take turns answering it. Ooh, I'm both Ooh. nervous and excited. <laughs> <laughs> no need to be nervous. Just be excited. When we talked to Megan Salinas, who was on our Empire Strikes Back podcast, we discussed the importance and the innovation that that film's ending was, right? It was innovative. It was super important for film because it was, you know, first of all, it was a blockbuster movie. It was also a tragedy. It was the second in a trilogy. So we had that kind of dynamic that we hadn't seen before. Um it was a big budget sequel that did not resolve. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Big budget sequel that didn't resolve. And so amazing ending to the middle film. And now we transition into Return of the Jedi. So my question to you, Garrett, and we'll all answer this though, is do you feel that this film, Return of the Jedi, capitalizes on the ending of Empire Strikes Back? Well, I think it does just because it did leave such a definite cliffhanger because audiences weren't ready to be done with it after the second film they were like oh my gosh we want to see han uh be rescued i think is the word i'm looking for uh it was just that they really it left it so open-ended that they absolutely had to do something afterwards and it had to and it really created a good lead-in for the third film Hmm. so it just that cliffhanger gave it such a great lead-in because they had a purpose they had a goal they were going to go and get stuff done yeah yeah i mean I, I, like if you watch the end of empire strikes back there's no question there better be a third film oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> otherwise it's the most depressing film ever yeah yeah what about you daryl yeah I, I mean i agree obviously it sets itself up really well i think what i love about it too is it doesn't just jump right back in like it doesn't pick up right where Jedi, I mean, right where Empire mm. leaves off. Sure. Clearly, time has passed. Clearly, you know, Han has, you know, it's gone through all the process of Han getting to Tatooine and being in Jabba's collection, and and um, Luke has had time to go off and develop himself and grow, and 
Leia has become more ingrained with the rebellion and you know I mean it's all time has passed yeah and I feel like they pick it up at a perfect place okay like I would love to kind of maybe a comic or not a movie per se but kind of know the story of what happens in between there oh yeah but I think just having some time pass and picking it up later and having the characters be at a point where they've grown and they're a little bit different and we can get a bit of a different flavor of them in, a, in this movie mm-hmm. was brilliant. I'm going to disagree with both of you guys. <laughs> I, I don't think that this we movie transitions well. Are we digging it out here? What are we doing? No, no, no. We're digging, here's, here's, my, here's my rationale for why I don't believe that it, I don't believe that it picks up like kind of where it should or how it should. We definitely need to save Han. So you guys brought that up. Totally agree. We need to save Han. That's obvious. The problem I have with that is it does seem like a bit of a distraction from the Rebellion versus Empire storyline. Because it creates this dynamic where now we're starting out the story. And here, here's some of the reason why I feel that way. The Empire does not feel as menacing as it did at the end of Empire Strikes Back. So the progression of that movie is that there's this giant battle of Hoth where the Empire is literally driving the rebels from this place where they have been hiding uh-huh. and you get the impression that like the rebellion is in a just a state of disaster it is going to be overcome very quickly um and yet at the beginning of this film like they have enough time on their hands to go save on solo it's kind of like this is just like all of a sudden that level of urgency that level of uh, like we better we better figure this out seems kind of missing to me um and I don't understand why they chose to do that. It's kind of a fun story that they when they go save Han, but it just breaks that second movie into a well. Wait a minute, like you said, what happened while all of, like it? Not only does it, not only is it a problem with the rebellion and empire, but we actually see when Luke comes back, his off-screen development is startling. Yeah, because he doesn't yeah. do that much at the end of Empire Strikes Back, but he comes back and he's like he's choking Grammarian guards and he's like <laughs> showing up in the Jabba's palace and like threatening him and stuff. It's, I mean, it's just a little bit of, I think we lack the desperation that Empire Strikes Back gave us, which makes which is what makes this movie so compelling. Like you said, Garrett, like we have to have a third film, but when you start this film the way that you do and you jump into it that way, it feels like it. It, it could actually cheapen the end of Empire Strikes Back a little bit. So that was kind of my feeling about it. That's, that's kind of what prompted the question when I was watching the movie. Yeah, see, for me, I, I don't care as much about the Empire versus the Rebellion as much as I care about the core family of characters. Yeah. And from that perspective, I love the progression. Like, you're right, it does, it does take away a little bit from the war, yeah. per se. But maybe Han, Han was just such a a valuable soldier in the war that they were willing to expend the effort to get him back. Yeah. Yeah. I think it would be, it might be a little bit more of a connection. If, for, if somehow they had a connection to the empire with Java's palace in some way, shape or form, I don't even know what that means, mm-hmm. but like there's something where the battle with the empire is not so, it doesn't feel so far removed from Java's palace. That would be interesting yeah. to me. Um, also, if if uh, Leia and Han and Luke and everybody being absent from the rebellion mm-hmm. makes it feel like the rebellion is just not even doing anything and pointless, yeah, then that's kind of not giving the rebellion enough credit because you would hope that they're not the only thing the rebellion has going for them. 
you know? <laughs> but it kind of seems like they, they are. Also, they've got an army. True. They've got ships. They've got other soldiers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. They've got Mon Mothma. They've got Admiral Akbar. There you go. Yeah. General Nadine. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to keep going, so I'll you prove myself to be <laughs> yeah. a giant nerd. <laughs> um, any last thoughts on that question? No? No. We're good. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's move on to question number two. Daryl, I'll start with you on this question. And this was fascinating to me. This question was fascinating to me from watching this. I don't know how many times I've seen this movie, but a lot. Okay. Yeah. First time I ever thought of this. Luke shows up at Jabba's palace and he is like clearly a different person, right? Yeah. Last time we saw him, he was recovering and retreating. He almost died. He lost his hand. Um, but we see him walk in and he possesses this really strong confidence. He chokes a few uh, Gamorrean guards like I talked about. Um, he has a new lightsaber. It's a it's a completely different Luke. Mm-hmm. Um, so what do you think about Luke's development as a character? And where is Luke when this story begins? As I, I love his development as a character. And I, I can't remember the last time that I saw this movie before I went back and watched it for this. Because when I was a kid, you know... The original Star Wars trilogy was very clearly the dark side and the light side, good versus evil, black and white, mm-hmm. and and there weren't gray areas and there weren't failings on the on the light side and there wasn't glimmers of good on the dark side, and I always felt like oh they brought that crap in when they did the prequels yes. you know and muddied everything up, but it's actually not true. Looking at this movie, there's a ton of it. You have to dig a little bit to get to it, but it's there. And so, yeah, he comes in, he's wearing black, yep, which would seem like a dark side thing. Yep. He's force choking people, which would seem like a dark side thing. <laughs> Definitely is a dark side thing. He's very menacing, uh-huh. which would seem like a dark side thing. And he's more powerful. So it does feel like he is in some ways flirting with the dark side, mm-hmm. which is the same path that Anakin was on and ultimately gave into to right. become Vader. And so... It's, it's just so different to go back and see it this time because when I was younger, I, it always just came across to me as, oh, Luke got cooler, you know, <laughs> and more powerful. Exactly. But now you realize it's not just he did get cooler and more powerful, but it's not just that. He's in this tenuous position now where he could kind of go either way. Yep. His mission is still good. He wants to redeem his father, and he wants to be a full-fledged Jedi on the light side. But right. You can tell that maybe his, uh, trying to find the right word, maybe his obsession with mm. accomplishing that mission is starting to overtake him in dangerous ways, Ooh, which is a trend in the Skywalker family. That's for sure. What do you think, Garrett? Um, I don't know. Just where he was, my thought... My first thought was, oh, he's been working with Yoda. He's been <laughs> developing his skills. But I did notice when he walked into Jabba's palace the first time, I was like, oh, oh dang. Like, this is this is very different. He's grown up a lot. Uh, but um, where he was at the beginning of the film, I guess I just really... It didn't quite connect that he wasn't in there for mm. me. Mm. Like, I wasn't sitting on the edge of my seat going, wait... Where's Luke? Where's Luke? He's he should be here. Uh, it's just when he came in, I was like, oh yeah, he's here too. So it didn't really stick out to me. I just kind of assumed that he was 
like out working with Yoda or something like that. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting too because so this was your first time seeing this movie, Garrett. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how much time passed in between you watching Empire and watching Jedi? Um, I would say a good five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. For me, it was years because <laughs> I actually saw Jedi in the theater. Oh, really? Or not year? I don't know. I don't know how. It was however long was between the release dates of the okay, two movies. Okay. Because I'm not sure if I saw Empire in the theater. But I did see Jedi in the theater, so there was a time. You lapse. did have to wait. I did have to wait. Yes, and I remember um, vaguely, but I do remember the anticipation of mm. seeing Luke. Right. And so, and I think that makes a difference. You know, when time has passed for you as a fan, yes, to see this movie, having Absolutely. time been having been passed within the story makes a lot more sense. Oh yeah. As opposed yeah. to if you're binge watching, then you're kind of like, wait. What, what happened? happened? Yeah. Yeah, 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 like me. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm gonna. Um, you picked up on the exact same things that I picked up on. So I'm just gonna say this concretely because now that I've watched it, I don't know how many times, dozens. Mm-hmm. I believe that Luke begins this story as a gray Jedi. Mm-hmm. Period. I don't think that you brought him up. There's the Force choke. That is a dark side power. It's yeah. always been a dark side power. Light side people are not supposed to use choke. Yeah. Um, he's wearing all black. You br- you brought that up as well. He makes two death threats directly to Jabba. Mm-hmm. You're now, not wrong. <laughs> yeah. So he he's rumored to have become a Jedi Knight. If you guys notice that, although Yoda tells him later that he's, that he's not. Yeah. Right. Um, and that he won't be until he can face Vader. I think that's because he's powerful enough to be a Jedi Knight, but has not chosen the light side, and therefore then can't be the Jedi Knight. Yeah. So I think that that this is the first instance that we would have ever seen, chronologically speaking, in the, from a from an actual movie release standpoint, um, of a gray Jedi. We just didn't have a name for it at that time. Although and, he wore gray in Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. And he wore sure. white in A New Hope. That's true. He's getting darker so, and darker. I'm just goes. saying. <laughs> Granted, he wore orange in all three movies in between then, so yeah, I don't yeah, know what that yeah. means. Who knows? Caution. He's <laughs> <laughs> turning dark. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think he's a great Jedi. Uh, I think that that's, uh, makes the story more interesting to me, which I'd never thought of before. Yeah, so. I agree. I, I, You get that picture in the prequels when you watch those. I really feel like... You know, Obi Wan is flawed. Yeah. And Anakin is obviously flawed. Yeah. But I never thought that way about Luke. But as you go well, back that, and watch that's, this, I think the, your exact explanation of that is exactly how I felt. Yeah. Like I was watching it this time, going, I've always thought that he just got more badass. But now, yeah. now I'm watching it, going, <laughs> No, I don't. I don't know that that, that they're saying that that's good. I yeah. used to think that it was good. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's interesting that we picked up on that. Is this the first time you picked up on that? Uh, in this movie. Yeah, same here. Same here. Okay, so uh, the first time you guys watched this film, which for you, Garrett, was very recent, which is awesome. Um, ding, ding. Did you know that the bounty hunter who brought Chewie in to Jabba's palace, did you know that that was actually Leia? I had no idea. Did you, were you able to guess that? I, well, had- she when she started walking over to Han Solo, I was like, okay, like this is going to steal Han Solo because he didn't get the full 50000 and then as I got closer, I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That, that's a girl. <laughs> that is Princess Leia. And that then she took the mask off and, or started talking. And I was like, 
Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's cool. I, I see your plan. <laughs> what about you? Did you know? I didn't know. I, I remember seeing it for the first time and not knowing. I do too. I remember seeing it for the first time and going like, what? That was Princess Leia the whole time? Yeah. I remember thinking like that, that character that character design was super cool too. I really liked yeah. it. So. They hit it well too because 3PO refers to her as he. Yep. Yep. But he doesn't mm-hmm. know. So he just assumes. He's exactly. like, he's holding a thermal detonator. <laughs> hey, an impersonation. Oh, we finally shoot. got you to do one. <laughs> That's it. awesome. It wasn't even prompted. Uh, it wasn't good either. You know, I actually, I don't think I've said this on this podcast before, but I actually saw Anthony Daniels, who plays C-3PO, in person at Disneyland. Really? He was at Napa Rose, and he was walking in during, like, the Star Wars celebration when I was oh, here. Napa Rose is good. Yeah, it was really good. And and I didn't, I wasn't going to stop him, because I think that that's kind of a, I don't know, not a cool move. But other people <laughs> in the restaurant were like, hey, I Anthony mean, Daniels. if you're Anthony Daniels and you're walking around Disneyland... You're yeah, probably ready true. for it. Yeah, especially when there's a Star Wars celebration going on or whatever. And yeah. People are going to know. Anyways, so let's continue with this this line of thought. And Garrett, will ask you this question first. Um, when Leia's identity is revealed, Jabba forces her into some odd form of sex slavery, which is never fully defined by the film. Um, but there's been a lot of talk about whether or not this objectifies Leia. And it's a very iconic costume that, I mean, you see it all over Instagram. You see artists drawing her in this costume. You see cosplayers dressing in that costume. Um, how do you feel about the Slave Leia issue? Mm, I'm going to walk a very fine line here. <laughs> uh, first of all, I knew that it was coming because uh, Chris Hardwick in his wonderful Halloween costume when he dressed up as Princess Leia in this costume a couple of years so ago. I'm glad I've never seen or that. A year ago or something. <laughs> yeah. Like, iconic. Um, he, that's where I, like, first seen it. But then, since I had seen it the first time, I saw it a lot more. So I knew it was coming. Hmm. Uh, I don't necessarily agree with it. But with Jabba's character, I think that it fits that he would do something and make her dress that way in this film. Hmm. So, like, I don't agree with it, but I can see how it came about and happened that way. Yeah, 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 definitely. Because job was a pervert. That's what we're yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Daryl? I mean, when I was a kid, I never thought anything of it. Like, yeah, you know, um, he had that that green alien woman twilik twilik mm. sure <laughs> who was his <laughs> slave and she died so he needed a new one and leia was there so i don't know i just never thought anything of it when i was a kid right um obviously i'm not in agreement with slavery or right. objectifying anybody yeah um it does seem to highlight what we've noticed before when we were talking about the prequels mm-hmm. which is kind of a kind of a lighthearted um, depiction of slavery within the Star Wars universe. Right. They don't really seem to be putting it out there as an evil thing, right. commenting on how terrible slavery is. Right. They just sort of include it yep. in their stories. Um, from a story perspective, I do think it's cool because it sort of leads into her killing Jabba, which is a poetic thing because he gets killed by somebody who he's trying to enslave. 
Yeah. Like, he literally gets choked to death by somebody he's trying to choke, you know? So, yeah. I like that justice. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's, for me, it's very nuanced, and, and you'll hear why in a minute. Um, and I think that it can definitely be misused. And so I, when I say that, I mean the the way that we treat the slave Leia idea can be misused. So first of all, from a story perspective, it is very clear that she does not want to be in that position or wearing that costume. So oh, yeah. Jabba is 100% objectifying her. Um, so inherently the costume is associated with sex slavery. I don't think there's any way to get around that. That's, that is what it is. She's being subject to that against her will. Um, while she's wearing the costume, she does not give in to being a victim. And this is a key point because it relates to her character and what we can learn from her character. Because, like you referenced, she's the one that kills Jabba. Mm -hmm. And she's actually wearing that costume when she does it, right? Yeah. So this is where it gets nuanced. Because we know that she's been subject to wearing that costume against her will. And yet, she becomes a hero in our eyes while she's wearing the costume by overcoming her predicament at mm -hmm. that point in time. So I think... You know, as it relates to the the Slave Leia costumes and how we treat it, we have to tread pretty lightly because Jabba was objectifying her in that costume. So are we rooting for the woman who was taken against her will and fought the like fought her captivity to rescue herself? Or are we just rooting to see Leia in a bikini? <laughs> right? Like I think we have to we have to think about that because Leia didn't want that. Yeah. That was not something that she wanted. Right. So I don't think we can necessarily um, glorify it. The, the, the intent of that costume is for it to be sexy. That is why Jabba has her in it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But let's be honest, it is not sexy if it's sex slavery. Right. Right? Like, True. that's a problem. Um, so I think if we're going to talk about the sex slave Leia, I think we have to handle it in that way. So if we're, if we're like, for example, let's just say that I'm an artist. I'm going to go draw uh, Leia in that costume. Am I objectifying her because I want to just see Leia in the bikini? Or am I actually trying to say, this is a moment where she was put in a situation where she had to overcome hardship and this is what she does. She, she ends up coming, overcoming it. Um, and not becoming a victim. I mean, that's a pretty dicey line to go. I mean, mm -hmm. even when you see people in their cosplay and they're wearing this costume, it's like, <laughs> is that, are you trying to say that her being a sex slave is a good thing? Or is there some sort of aspect to your costume where this is post her rescuing herself? I don't know. It's, it's a hard one. And I'm not, I'm not trying to throw shade at anybody who's worn that costume or loves that costume. I'm not trying to do that. I'm just trying to say, when we look at that, how do we look at sex slavery and how do we look at, specifically, Princess Leia and the, and the position that she's put in and what, how she feels about it, not necessarily how we feel about it. Yeah, and it's almost like you need to talk more about not Jabba putting Leia in this outfit, but George Lucas putting Carrie Fisher in this outfit. Mm. Because, I mean, not, not to discount anything you're saying. Obviously, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's all terrible, of course, but Jabba's not human. We don't know that Jabba's urges and Jabba's behavior mm -hmm. is in alignment with a human. 
We don't True. we don't know that that's why he put her in that outfit, you know. Sure. But George <laughs> Lucas wrote like a movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he 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 licks her at one point, doesn't he? <laughs> he totally kinda, does. Yeah. And he yes. licks licks his lips, and he's like, yeah, so gross. So I'm not saying that that's not the case, and I'm not, and obviously it's terrible. Yeah. But I feel like you have to look behind it a little bit too, and you yeah. have to look at George Lucas putting Carrie Fisher in that outfit. Right. And. And obviously that's not slavery. That's, you know, that's yeah. selling your movie and stuff like that. Right, 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 right. But did he, what was he thinking when he wrote the story? Yeah. Was it slavery in his mind? Right. Was he not even thinking that deep? Like, I just don't even know. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you look at the character of Leia, though, I mean, she is very upset by it. Yeah. So <laughs> if, as a writer, I write the character to be upset... I'm assuming that I'm writing that scene to be upsetting to the audience as well. Yeah. In other words, uh, and this is where movies get really, really dicey. I mean, uh, uh, the oh. film with, well, what's the film that was like the, um, the M. Night Shyamalan film with all the personalities? Split. 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 Mm. That film, I remember watching that film and I remember thinking at one point in time when, after this is early on in the film after he captures the girls, and he, ch- I don't know what happened. I don't know. He does he change them out of their clothes or whatever? But they're all in the room in their underwear. Yeah. Okay. And I remember distinctly thinking, like, "Whoa, fine line here," because as an audience member, you want the audience to feel that these young women, girls, really, are vulnerable. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you do not want to put the audience in a position where they somehow are asked to think inappropriately about this as well. Yeah. And that's tough from a filmmaking perspective and from a writing perspective because what you don't want the audience to do is turn the situation into force them to you want them to force them to consider what is appropriate in this situation and why do I feel like this is not good. But you also don't want to be so graphic about it that it suddenly like, for example, I'll give you a perfect example to, to kind of go along with this one. HBO will tell its showmakers, you need to put more nudity in this movie. Hmm. They don't say that because they want to show disturbing, vulnerable people. I mean, I, I know that some of the writers may say that, but mm-hmm. what HBO wants is more eyes on their films because they want people who want to see that. Yeah. I think that that's a very difficult position to be put in as a filmmaker. Because now you're saying, well, what am I trying to engage in my audience's mind? Am I trying to engage uh, a vice that they might have? Yeah. And I think you want to avoid engaging the vices. That's not fair to your audience. But what you do want to do is be able to show. And I think that that's what I think that that's what George does in this film. I think that he thinks I'm going to put Leia in a position of as being a sex slave, but I'm going to have her rise out of that. By the way, she wasn't rescued by anybody. Right. She literally rescues herself. Yeah. So I think that he wasn't, I'm giving him the credit for saying like, I don't, even though we might as an audience feel like that, oh, Carrie Fisher's really attractive and she looks really great in this outfit. We're not meant to think that. Yeah. We're meant to think, oh, this is really disturbing and and unfortunate that this is happening. Although there is the heroic shot after she saves herself where Luke grabs her and swings from one ship to the other. Yeah. There's so, that. You know, it's not like anybody throws a blanket over her and then saves her. 
Ooh, that's a really good point. You know what I mean? Let's call George Lucas right now. <laughs> <laughs> no. um, any final thoughts on that? I know it's a pretty controversial topic, and I don't mean to overanalyze it either. I mean, I think that um, I think we can, like, you know, if you're listening to the show, you might be like, why are they going so in-depth about this? It was called Dig Deeper, so if you don't like yeah. that, you might not like <laughs> yeah. the show. But um, I do think at the same time, we are, as an audience and as people who are engaging in storytelling, I think we need to know what we're supposed to feel yeah. and what the characters are feeling as they go through this stuff. So any final thoughts on that? I'm just going to say I was actually still a little shocked at how skimpy it was from like certain camera frames. I was like, oh my gosh, she's like not wearing very much clothes. <laughs> but at the same time, I really didn't notice it too much just because of everything else that was going on. So like when she started killing Jabba, I was like, yeah, you go girl, kill Jabba. But I wasn't like... You kill Jabba in that really skimpy outfit. So, like, I don't know. Yeah. That's just my thought brain. No, you're right. You're right. I think that, like, and that's why, and that's, actually, that's a really good point. That's why we dig deeper into some of these things. Because mm-hmm. if we if we didn't, we would literally just be like, oh, yeah, I don't know what I just saw. Yeah. Yeah. I. You know, an- another thing that stands out to me about it as I think about it, is not so much that scene itself, yeah. but what comes after that scene for the pretty much the rest of the movie yeah. is a very, uh, I'm trying to think of the right word here, not as powerful a character because she's powerful when she rises up and kills Jabba right. um, and then, then Luke after. saves her and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But for the rest of the movie, she's pretty much just the third part of a love triangle right yeah she yeah. is she's luke's brother right. she's saying hold me to han and her power i don't know if this walks. was done intentionally i'm not saying that george lucas was trying to keep women down or anything like that <laughs> but but for the rest of the movie she's a very passive character and we don't get to see a whole lot of her strength again i mean i guess there is the scene in the forest with wicket and stuff like that but yeah it is interesting i mean it's just interesting to look back on a film in a in a completely different context because we're now 40 years basically i mean obviously some change because 40 years is actually a new hope but you know 36 or whatever years yeah 35 years 34 i think 83 yeah, is when it you're came right. out. Yeah. yeah 34 years away from that and it's that's a generation yeah. <laughs> basically um and things are going to be viewed differently so hey if we can make you think about something differently then Hopefully that hopefully that helps. Well, and clearly there's something there. There's some urge to make things right for Leia and attribute mm-hmm. some strength to her. Because look at what J.J. Abrams does in Force Awakens. Exactly. You know, one of the first scenes you see in the movie is, yeah. you know, she's referred to as a general. And, and the guy's like, general? To me, she's royalty. <laughs> like, well, exactly. she is that. Like, they very clearly give her some, some reverence right off the bat. That's 100% true. Well, I'm going to take us away from Tatooine altogether. How about that? Um, And I want to talk about the importance of values and their relationship to hope. Okay? And it it came up because as Yoda's dying, he tells Luke that he must face Vader or he'll become one with the dark side forever. Um, And I was really struck by that word this time around because forever is... A long time as it turns <laughs> out um so garrett i'm gonna start with you on this one 
What do you think that means as far as Yoda and his expectations for when Luke goes to face his father? I I don't exactly know. I think that him saying that, it was... I think that everyone saying that you have to beware of the dark side, uh, like saying that constantly between Yoda and Obi-Wan, was um, sort of like their repetitive to keep him from going to the dark side, but it was also sort of like a, we've seen what your father has done. Don't be like your father. Hmm. Be careful. Like, just putting it out there so it would hopefully at least remain in his subconscious. But, like, also I think that it kind of comes in with remember who you are, don't get taken over. Hmm. Because there's that whole idea that, uh, like ooh, this will feel good, but don't let it take over your body person. Like, that's not going to be as good. Right, like, right. Remember who you are type thing. Yeah, I think that's a really important point. Like, he's basically reminding him, like, don't be who you are, basically, right? Like, be who you were meant to be. Mm-hmm. That's a really important point. What about you, Daryl? I'm actually going to challenge you a little bit on this. You're going to challenge me? I'm going to challenge you okay. a little bit. In the question, because, okay, I watched this scene probably four times, literally two or three hours ago, just to make sure that I'm right about this. (laughs) Um, He doesn't directly say what you're asking here. He doesn't say you have to face Vader or you will become one with the dark side forever. It's not that simple. There's more to it than that. That's true. I am simplifying it. Go ahead. Because what he says is... Once you start down the path of the dark side, right. then it will encompass you right. forever. Right. And, um, okay, I'm going to read a little bit of what I wrote here because okay. I'm afraid I'll say it wrong. So um, he says he has to confront Vader as the final step to becoming a Jedi. Um, and it sounds more like Yoda was hoping that he would confront Vader and even kill Vader mm-hmm. without knowing that Vader was his father. Ah, because in that scene, when Luke asks, is, is he my father? And Yoda tries not to answer the question. Yep. And he pushes the issue. Yoda says, his father, your father, he is. Yeah. And he's like, he told you that? And Luke says, yes. And he's like, Un- unfortunate this is. Right, right, you right, know? right. Yeah. So it's clear that, to me, that Yoda was hoping Luke was going to eliminate the Vader problem without having to find out <laughs> that he was his father. Right. Which... Makes sense from a couple different perspectives. It makes sense because if Luke does find out that Vader's his father, that his father is this ultimate evil, then what does that produce? It produces anger. Yeah. It produces fear. Mm -hmm. And it produces hate or aggression. Right. Which are the three things that get called out as leading to the dark side. That's right. So I think Yoda's trying to protect him from that emotion, which could drive him to the dark side. Yeah. Huh. Which is good, yeah. But it also sort of showcases this flawed approach that the Jedi have, because if you go back to the prequels, we would sort of observe that Obi Wan's flawed approach was trying to control Anakin too much, right? And not letting him make his own decisions and not letting him grow. Yep. And here it seems like Yoda's flawed approach and Obi Wan's with Luke is just keeping things from him. Yep. And not telling him everything, thinking that they're protecting him. Mm-hmm. But in reality, they're just creating a time bomb. Right. So, 
Um, so your question was, what do you think that means as far as Yoda and his expectations for when he, Luke faces his father? I think Yoda doesn't think Luke can take him. I think Yoda is really? afraid yeah. that if Luke were to face Vader, mm-hmm. knowing that he's his father, yep. his emotions would get in the way, and he would either turn to the dark side or Vader would kill him. Nice. Yeah. I am on the same track as you. <laughs> so what occurred to me as I was considering this question is that when it comes to like where you place your values and where you what what you're putting your hope into? Yeah, I I believe strongly that Yoda has lost hope and is still clinging to the Jedi Order's values from the prequels. So you were picking up on this too, which is no attachment. Yeah. Oh well, it's it's even more than that, right? Yeah. He, I don't think Yoda expects Vader to ever turn back to the light side. No. No, he just sold him out. No, yeah. you're you're gone, man. Like you're off the deep end. You're never coming back to the light side. He's just lost all faith in Anakin whatsoever. As has Obi-Wan. When As Luke, has Obi-Wan. When Luke talks to his Force Ghost later, he's As like, has he's Obi-Wan. more machine now than man. Yeah, you know? exactly. So, yeah. I totally agree with you. I think Yoda's expectation is that Luke will kill the Emperor and Vader. Um, and then, and he's even indicating that that's the only thing that will make Luke become a Jedi Knight. Is mm-hmm. if he does those things. Contrast that. That's a very old school prequel style of thinking. Yeah. If you contrast that with Luke, he believes that his father and maybe every sentient being, we don't know how he thinks about the emperor. We don't know how he thinks about other dark side people. But I would say that um, I believe that Luke believes that anybody can be redeemed back to the light side. But Yoda clearly doesn't believe that. And as you point out, Obi-Wan doesn't believe that either. That's a huge difference. Huge difference. So I believe that Yoda is valuing the moral high ground. We must wipe out the dark side wherever we see it occur. Right. I believe that Luke, on the other hand, is saying, no, we must encourage others to turn from the dark, from the dark side to the light side. Those are very different value systems. Luke's value system is based on redemption. Yoda's value system is based on moral superiority. Uh, and I think that we're seeing those two things really conflict here. Well, I think Yoda's is based on fear, too. Yeah. Just having seen what happened to Anakin. Yoda has more fear in him than Luke has. Yeah. Which is, which is really, really striking. So, any other, any other thoughts about that specifically? Oh, that's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it is a lot. This is what happens when you let Jay talk about Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> I literally write down some of the individual pieces of dialogue as I'm watching the films. There was one other thing in the scene that I noticed that I wanted to ask you about as kind of the resident Star Wars expert. So Luke says to Yoda, he's Mm -hmm. like, Master Yoda, you can't die. And Yoda says, strong am I in the Force, but not that strong. Yeah. Is that just an offhanded remark? Or is that meant to imply that there is a level of Force strength that you can reach that you actually can achieve immortality? Oh my gosh, I was wondering this exact same thing when I watched it. Really? (laughs) Yeah. Well... If we look at canon, uh-huh. we could look at Plagius. Right. And Plagius, Darth Plagius the Wise, and he's brought up in, I believe it's Attack of the Clones. And he was a Sith, right? He was a Sith. He so was he was dark side. He was the Emperor Palpatine's master. Yeah. And Palpatine killed him. Um, it was said that Plagius had the ability to overcome death. 
we don't exactly know what that means because we're not given concrete examples of it. Mm -hmm. But this is where Emperor Palpatine is telling Anakin Skywalker that if he follows the dark side, he could have enough power in the Force to overcome Padme's death. Mm -hmm. So there's an indication there that Plagueis was able to overcome death, whatever that means. There's also an implication here, though, that that is not the natural order of things. And so when Yoda says, strong as I am, strong, I am in the Force, but not that strong, what he's sort of indicating is you'd have to be dark side to do that. It's, yeah. it's kind of like if you were to compare um, necromancy to, like, Gandalf the Grey, right? That Gandalf the Grey is sort of resurrected into Gandalf the White. Mm -hmm. But a necromancer would actually like go find a dead body and resurrect it, and it would be like a different creepy person. Yeah, you know, like a zombie. Exactly. Yeah. So mm -hmm. you get the indication that Plagueis is actually that kind of dude, and Yoda's just saying like that's not even okay. Yeah, is I think what we're kind of seeing there. Okay. Because in some ways, you know, there's always this. Even the good Jedi's, even Yoda says never underestimate the power of the dark side and there's all this talk about you can't imagine the power of the dark side yeah and now we have this glimpse that maybe the dark side is so powerful that it can overcome death and so it almost makes it feel like the force yeah may not be a good thing <laughs> like the force may be evil to begin with and the farther you get into it yeah the darker you become which when we, which you're nodding your head at me like, okay, you're an idiot, but that's interesting. No, 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 not at all, not at all. Actually, I just have a joke to make. I'll do it. <laughs> so I was just going to say, no, I don't have to interrupt your thought. I was going to say we should make coexist stickers, you know, those coexist stickers, uh -huh. but then we'll still put an X out on the force. <laughs> it's just, it's all bad. You can't just go yeah, there. Yeah, no. Yeah. But I don't know. It's just, it's interesting when we go back to the, this is the Star Wars podcast, so we have to talk about the balance again, right? Well, we have to do that anyways because David Graham well, talked and about that's, it. Yeah. I'm going to bring that up here because it kind of it makes it feel that way for me. So, yeah, what Jay's talking about is David Graham, who's one of our listeners and a friend Thanks of mine. Thanks for listening, David. He made a comment on one of our Facebook posts saying, what if we think about the balance in Star Wars differently? So in our conversations about it, we've often thought of it as scales, mm -hmm. per se, right? Mm -hmm. There's two different sides. And we've discussed, well, what, is, what are those two different sides and what is it that balances them? Right. Is it the dark side versus the light side? You know, what is that? Mm -hmm. Whereas David brought up something, he's like, um, what if you look at it not so much as scales, but as a spinning plate? So like the force is a plate spinning on a stick, mm -hmm. which also has to maintain balance. And then if something upsets it, like the dark side or whatever it may be, mm -hmm. that balance gets out of whack. And the whole right. thing can come tumbling down. So, yeah. I think that's, I think it's helpful. I what if the balance is the dark side? What if the dark side is the force, <laughs> and it's the light side that's upsetting the balance? Curveball. Because they said that Anakin was the one that was going to bring balance to the force, right? That's right. And he turned evil. He did. And so we usually think that it was him being redeemed uh -huh. that brings balance to the force. But what if it was him turning evil that brought balance to the force? 
I think we've just created a YouTube video called What If the Force in the Dark Side or One in the Same and There Is No Light Side. <laughs> no, I think, I think that that's an interesting concept. I don't think that George Lucas intends for that to happen. But yeah. so here's what happens as a writer, right? And I know this from my own personal experience because I, I write with Nathan, who's the co-founder of the Reclamation Society. You've heard him on a couple of the Star Wars podcasts. He edits every podcast. Um, Nathan is the guy who basically when I do first drafts of things, he's a story consultant on all on most of the stuff that I write. Yeah. Because when he when he looks at this, he goes, Well you said back in chapter four that this person could do this, so why wouldn't they just do this again here? Like that's yeah. dumb, right? Um, as a writer, you get in your own head, you can't quite figure out what you're trying to communicate, and therefore the communication becomes different depending on the scenario that's presented. And other people who read, especially people who read with a very critical mindset, um, in a good way, they go, but that doesn't make sense anymore. It doesn't, like the logic has gone out the window. And I think that Star Wars has suffered from that a little bit. I think the prequels especially have tried to and even the films that we see coming out now have tried to kind of explain more of what was going on. Because yeah. It was like, oh yeah, that was kind of weird that we did that. Like, let's just like explain it this way. And and you can go on to, to fan reddits and find like all these explanations for things that were like, I'm pretty sure that's just an error in filmmaking <laughs> or in storytelling. But yet you can find people with theories about how it works. So I can totally see why you would think that. I actually really like David's... Uh, metaphor because I think that George Lucas basically intended for the force to be good for it to be light side and when everything is in balance is when good is occurring in the world and so when he talked when he started talking about balance it is more like we have to keep the plate spinning as David would say we got to keep the plate spinning because when the plates not spinning it tends to get really off base and it might even fall and if it falls then the dark side takes over so to speak mm. so I think that that's what was intended now yeah. as we look at this and we see the power of the dark side and we hear these kinds of things what I've always thought is in the natural order of the force working the way that it should work the force allows the Jedi to tap into it but then kind of controls the Jedi's motions or doesn't allow the Jedi to do anything out of the natural order so to speak whatever that means in the Star Wars context yeah. for the dark side I believe the that the user is basically stepping in to say I'm going to do whatever I want to with this with the force and I think that's where it gets really weird and dicey because now it's like, okay, yeah. so the force exists and it's good, but someone could actually be selfish about it and take it over and do whatever they want with it. And that's 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 clearly like another kind of spiritual perspective, right? Yeah. That you could tap into a power that wasn't yours and you could actually overtake it um, and use it to your own desired result. I mean... It's, it's definitely interesting, and it definitely poses some very dangerous questions for what someone could do with the Force, the dark side. And it looks like those, I don't want to step too much on your next question, but it <laughs> looks like those questions are being posed yep. in the movie that's coming up. Yeah, that's what's called a segue. <laughs> but before, before we segue, though. Speaking um, of which. <laughs> yeah. Before we segue, just really quick, Garrett, did you have any final thoughts on that? As somebody who's like just seen the movie for like the first time. Are you are do you listen to us and you're like guys give me a break or are you more like oh I need to go back and watch this again how does that hit it you It makes me want to go back and watch it again but it's just it's making me think about it in different ways Yeah because like I've been around for a little while and I did know a little bit about Star Wars before I actually watched Star Wars just because it's such a huge part of our culture um 
but just like hearing you guys talk about it, it's like, oh, wow, that makes sense, but I could see why it wouldn't work. Or um, just uh, it's making me think about things in a way I've never thought about them before, and it's kind of making me feel like a... I'm losing my mind, but in a good way. <laughs> um, That's what we like to you say. That's our tagline. Than... We'll make you lose your mind in a good way. <laughs> um, but I also agree that you are completely correct. If you want to see any weird fan theories or anything like that, you can go straight to Reddit and things like that. And everyone <laughs> will have a thought. Yeah, the the uh, Jar Jar Binks is a Sith Lord. <laughs> it's a pretty awesome theory. <laughs> oh, yeah. Go read it. Um, okay, so I'm gonna. I hate we're gonna him enough to be a Sith Lord. Yeah, well, yeah, I know. <laughs> he uses the dark side to annoy everyone. That's what. <laughs> that's what his power is. That is it for today's podcast. If you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe. And if you have an extra minute, write us a review or share this episode with one of your geek friends. All right, fellow geeks. As always, question everything in your favorite stories and always seek the truth. We'll catch you on the next podcast.